Hello, you guys, and welcome to season two of the Spiritual Alchemy podcast with Erica. I'm so excited and I'm so grateful to be back here with you guys again. Um, Actually, you know me. I'm going to say forward with you guys again because we know that it's a new day, it's a new dawn, and it's a new season, and we are moving forward. This season, we're going to be talking about the big question, is there life after life? And I want to dedicate this season to my bestie, my mom, and to my sweet stepdad, Bill, who I lost uh, very, very recently. And if you've been following me along social media, some of you have, I thank you for your support. Um... So I'm just going to jump right in and and kind of bring you along the journey that I've been on and it will explain why, you know, the podcast was delayed and also where we're going from here. Um, Jumping right in. So first of all, my mom is my best friend in the entire world. She knows me better than anyone and she has loved me and continues to love me unconditionally and supports me better than anyone. And when I say my best friend, I mean my bestie, right? Nothing was off the table with mom, right? We could talk about sex. We could talk about Barbara Ann's grout in her bathroom. And if you've never met Barbara Ann, it could get a little irritating. But uh, the point is, my mom and I talked three times a day. And um, I, I miss her indescribably. No matter what choices in my life I've made, mom was always there to lift me up and, um, and love me and support me anyway. So, uh in December, December 4th is really when, when this ride sort of happened. Um, my mom and stepdad have a hotel and um, it went down during COVID. So it was incredibly stressful. Um, my stepfather, William, it, it was old, elderly, 93, and my mom was his primary caregiver And there was a lot of stress for her. You know, there was a lot going on that all fell on her plate besides running a household and her gardening, which was really important to her. She was running a hotel, um, doing, you know, profits and losses and banking and hiring and firing people. And then that was their main income and then taking care of my stepdad. So mom got super stressed. And I convinced her to get the Calm app that I always tell you guys about on her phone and to start taking time to meditate. And, and she would say, but I just, you know, something's off. I, I just feel so loopy, you know, like putting your keys in the refrigerator, which I can attest to that I have done when I'm stressed. So literally, that's what we would say, mom, it's because you're so stressed. No one is surprised that you're feeling off. You have no time for yourself. So October 31st was Halloween and my mom and Bill had a little fun. They had a little too much to drink and she was sick for a couple days afterwards and, uh, you know, no one really thought anything of it. But when she started throwing up for weeks and then saying that she was super achy and that Bill was achy, I was absolutely, absolutely convinced that 
my mom had COVID and that William, you know, Bill had COVID as well. So I tried every day to get her to go to get tested. I sent her sites that were near her and she would argue, no, we're fine. We're fine. We feel okay. And we ended up missing Thanksgiving with her and Bill because of this. And um, I said, mom, every day I was nagging at her and I sent you the test sites. What is it going to take for me to put on a hazmat suit and literally come down there and drive you myself? And she said, okay. And I go, thanks a lot. (laughs) So I have to get sick. So um, it was December 4th and it was at 3.30 in the afternoon and it was Friday. And it was my last conversation with my mom where I said, mom, you need to make a doctor's appointment. And she said, I did. And it's for January. And I said, oh my God, that is completely unacceptable. I said, are you going to skip Christmas with us? Is that what you want to happen? She goes, fine, I'll go this weekend. And I said, good. And we hung up. And as you guys know, I go driving with Indy on Saturdays. That's our Saturday. And I didn't hear from my mom. I didn't hear from her Friday night. I didn't hear from her Saturday morning. I didn't hear from her Saturday afternoon. And this is my, my three times a day bestie. So something was wrong. I knew it. And Sunday morning, again, no answer, no answer. I was panicking. And I called my sister and I said, you need to stock both of mom's phones, the landline and her cell phone. And I'm going to drive up there and I'm going to find out what's going on. So I drove to their house and everything was just closed up tight. I couldn't really see through the windows. They were kind of half up and half down. And I was panicking, so I started knocking on both the neighbor's doors, and they each had something very weird to say. One neighbor said that they saw my stepfather driving with my mom hunched over in the passenger seat the day before. Okay, guys, my stepdad doesn't drive anymore. So that was so scary for me. So I went to the other neighbors, and they told me they knew where the spare key was, and they let me in the house. And that neighbor, she's been so wonderful, Marion. She said to me, you know, your mom's been very off. She wished me a Merry Christmas on Thanksgiving. Uh, Us girls in the neighborhood are worried about her. She won't let us help her, but she's been very mentally off. So I open up the house and there's meat left on the stove. Uh, I go into the garage and before I get to the, before I actually get in, I see that there's a hole drilled in the garage door with sawdust on the floor. I open the door and there's a bag of groceries laying on the steps and the car is gone. And there's a window screen bent sitting there. I'm having a complete panic attack at this point. I'm like, someone stole my parents. They've been kidnapped. I call the police. I'm literally in the middle of what feels like a freaking Dateline episode. The sheriffs come down. We go over everything. And they do a you know, a search for hot from hospitals and, and car accidents. And they tell me they locate a William Arnold in a local hospital. So I think to myself, oh my God, but thank God. So, uh, so they go away and I call the hospital and they put me on the phone with William Arnold. It is the wrong William Arnold. Oh my God. I can't even believe my life at this point. It was so surreal. So I call the sheriff's back. And they say, okay, I think we need to do what's called a silver alert. 
And that's basically when there's seniors that are missing, everybody gets contacted. And they said, you better tell your loved ones because it's going to be on the news. And I said, okay, we have to do this. And um, they started with the local hotels. I tell you, I thank these sheriffs from the Carpentria Sheriff's Department so, so, so much because uh, they helped find my parents when they, first of all, they went above and beyond, but also they were told no at some of the hotels. And one of them, the officer said he just had a feeling and he went there, even though he was told there was no one there, checked in under those names, the names that that they gave him and he found them and he called me and I immediately drove down there and we opened the doors. And first of all, there's blood all over like the floor and the sheets. And apparently because my stepdad can't walk without a walker, my mom had forgotten to put his walker in the car and she tried to get him into the hotel and they fell in the parking lot. And there's my mom and she's shaking and she's just so skinny and I'm convinced they both have COVID. So I didn't run to them and hug them. It was absolutely horrific. Uh, We called the paramedics and we had them taken away to the hospital and while we were waiting, I guess what had happened was my mom had just completely forgotten. She she was forgotten that, that she could get back in her own house. She locked herself out and she wasn't feeling well and their mailbox is far. So she had asked Bill to drive her to the mailbox and they came home and she didn't know how to get back in. So they tried to break in and and they got panicked and they went to a hotel no cell phone cell phone was tucked under her pillow inside the house it was absolute hell so we waited we just waited and waited and i got the call that bill was covid free and that my mom was covid free but you know since she looked so awful they were just going to keep her and run some tests and it was that night where a doctor got on the phone with me He did not ask me if I was sitting down or if I was alone or with family. He just literally blurted out, your mother has metastasized lung cancer that has spread to her brain. And I remember that moment. Oh my God. It it knocked the wind out of me. And immediately, it's interesting, it wasn't a like you would think maybe in retrospect you'd have this reaction mine was immediate I got really pissed off at this doctor and I said to him do you know that you're speaking to her child and her best friend and he immediately took a step back and he said I'm sorry I'm so sorry yes you know this is terrible news well she's in good hands and we'll figure it out but um from then on it was a very fast, very crazy ride. My mom had chosen me to become her advanced healthcare directive if anything like this should happen, you know, a couple of years prior. So boy, I, I can just tell you that it really moved like lightning from where my mom was the last conversation we had to where she was to go into the hospital. Um, they decided they needed to do 
So we got her in. That was probably a Sunday and they needed to do brain surgery. She ended up having Thursday. And then the plan was to send her home, get her strong with physical therapy and occupational therapy, and then um, start brain radiation. Okay, so we talked about that and if that was something she had to do. And basically, it was uh, not really a choice. If she didn't do the brain radiation, they said she would basically go within three weeks. So it wasn't that it would improve her life drastically. It was that it would keep her life going so we could then do lung treatment. So we had all these plans. I remember looking at my mom when we got off the phone with the radiologist and I remember saying to her mom are you ready for this and she just looked at me and she said it will be what it will be and I didn't know how much of it at that point she was really comprehending uh the way that she spoke, it could go either way, right? It was just really pearls, kind of pearls of wisdom from her. But at the same time, it's, is that a, you know, just a stock answer? I mean, is this really sinking in? Do you understand what you're about to embark on? But I never really got the clarity. So we kept her strong a week and a half. She was doing her thing and everything was getting better. And the therapist said how strong she was. And then all of a sudden, on a Saturday, she just started throwing up and she took a really bad turn. So I had to get her back into the hospital and it was then decided that even though it's not, it's, it's kind of unconventional, they don't do brain radiation unless the patient can pretty much walk into the building themselves because it's too hard on the body, you have to be strong, but that this was really her shot to do it as an inpatient. So we did that. And it was really hard, 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 hard to watch. It seemed like we were losing more and more of her after each radiation. Um, I remember I was in a store shopping and I got a call saying, you got one shot because they don't, with COVID, let anyone go to the hospital. And it was a Friday afternoon. And they said, if you want to come see your mom, you come now. And I left my cart in the aisle and literally ran to my car. I ran home. I fed Indy and I flew to the hospital and I got to see my mom. And I was there to tell her because she had kind of stopped eating and stopped exercising that if she wanted to fight, we're all behind her like warriors, but that she had to fight. And that's when she looked at me and said, pearls of wisdom. So I figured, well, she understands me. She's tracking me. She's got this. And uh, unfortunately, the decision was made to have to do a feeding tube for her, um, not a permanent one, one that goes through the nose. And so I sat and held her hand and watching that happen to her was one of the most excruciating moments of my life. It was so hard to witness. It was not easy. And uh, she just wasn't getting better, guys. She wasn't getting better. But here's the frustrating thing. This was so hard for us as a family. We had two doctors that were of the thought that she had about six to eight weeks because of a, a new development. And she got this cancer called LMD. And um, it's basically a cancer that develops to cancer patients. It happens to cancer patients. It's like 3%. And it goes along the spine and into the brain. 
So it made things very, very bad in terms of her prognosis. But she had another doctor, more the lung cancer the, uh, part of things, not the brain, who felt that once her brain healed, she had a 25% chance, which is pretty high, of bouncing back. So for us as a family, it was so hard because you have three amazing and reputable doctors saying the polar opposite. And we as a family just, we didn't know what to do. This story gets even crazier. We were ready to stop the brain radiation two sessions early because that just wasn't helping and to get her home and to start getting her strong again and then start the radiation. And then literally there's an outbreak of COVID in their house because of one of the caregivers looking after my stepdad. So we had arranged everything to get my mom home. Because of that, she couldn't come home. She had to go to a hospice house. We worked very hard, and they worked hard with us, though, to not think of my mom as being on hospice, but to do this bounce back that this one doctor was saying. We finally get her home. We don't know what to do. Two doctors still saying she's going to die. Another doctor still saying she's got this, you know, if she, if she fights. So we did everything. I'm grateful beyond that my mom and stepdad had the means to be able to hire these facilities. And what we did was we hired hospice to take care of her vitals. We hired a live-in situation. They can't do medical things to look after Bill and my mom. And then we hired a nursing company to come in and feed my mom green shakes, um, vitamins, healthy stuff you know, all of it. We just did everything that we could. And Bill sat by her side and he wept every day, every day. Um, I remember once I was coming in to visit my mom and I heard Bill singing to her. I love you, a bushel and a peck and a hug around your neck. And I... I went in and I held his hand and I started singing that song. And from that point on, that really became our song to my mom. And my mom was not responsive anymore. So I was really mad because the doctor that said she had a 25% chance was just unavailable. And I finally got him on a FaceTime. And I said, you look at my mom, please. Talk to her and tell me if you're reassessing your 25%. And he asked her to open her eyes and she, or excuse me, he asked her to blink three times, which she did, but over probably a 30 second period. And then he asked her to open her mouth and it literally broke my heart because she moved her mouth from side to side. So that showed me that she was not able to do it. Her faculties were not with her, but that she was tracking everything that was going on and that... That was so hard for me, you guys, because it's like, what is she in there trapped? You know, can you imagine like being in a cage and and hearing everything and and knowing everything that's going on, but not being able to say how you feel? And after that, I walked out of the room and he said, no more 25%. He said, at this point, she should be sitting up and swinging her legs over the bed and He said, no matter what you do, medicine or food, she's going to go within 30 to 40 days. So just keep her comfortable. 
And, uh, you know, from that point on, we, we painted her toes and fingers and we sang to her and she really liked the daily word. I did too. So I, I would come and read that to her and I would play my favorite meditations. In fact, there's a, a coach that I love and I would really like to have him on this show, uh, Michael McIntosh. And, and he has an amazing meditation. And I'll tell you something, 27 minutes long. I played this meditation for my mom. She opened her eyes and she listened to the entire meditation. It was incredible. And uh, one day I was getting gas and I knew that I was told that she wasn't doing good, that it was going to be soon. You know, the things that they were doing to her body were so invasive at this point, um, because of the tube and it's not stuff I'll even go into here, but just, just too invasive and not anything that my mom ever would have wanted. Right. So we needed to just be there every minute and I was getting gas and I was on my way down. And by the time I got there, she had already taken her last breath. She held Bill's hand and it was just those two together when she took her last breath. Um, and it's, I don't have the words, um, it's so hard. I miss her so much, you know, and, and just to continue on before I go down that road, Bill had two passions in life, my mom and business, both of which were gone for him. So we tried to cheer him up because he pretty much shut down after that. And he said, everything should be done now. No one else should come here and take care of me. And, and it's all over. And we told him, that's ridiculous. And everyone's going to come and stay with you and cheer you up and take care of you because you're so loved. And uh, Bill got COVID. Bill got COVID. And he had to go into the hospital and the CDC changed their guidelines that for someone his age who works with uh, caregivers, he had to stay 20 days in the hospital. And he had pneumonia and he, he left the hospital. He was doing all right. He was strong. He was angry as hell. Why am I still here? I want to go home. I brought my daughter to go play cards with her grandpa. And, and that day when I went to say goodbye, I gave him a big hug and he started singing that song, I love you, a bushel and a pack and a hug around your neck. And I started singing with him too. And we both got welled up. And the feeling that I had was so electric. It was such a strange moment. I don't know. But when I left there, I had this really weird feeling that it was the last time I was going to see Bill. And literally, I think it was the next day that he was readmitted back into the hospital. And uh, that was it. He was just done. They kept trying to give him oxygen and he kept taking it off saying, nope, I'm finished. And apparently when the doctor came in, he got a smile on his face and he said, I'm going to go now. And he took his last breath. So, Bill is with the love of his life. Um, 
I'm honestly happiest for Bill um, because I know that he was really struggling um, with wanting to even be here anymore. Even really towards the end of my mom's life, Bill was having a hard time. So I think he has the love of his life. Um, the losses, mom, February 15th, Bill, April 7th, have been devastating for our families. You know, I was carrying a lot of guilt and grief with me and I wanted so much to honor my mom and we were waiting for Bill to get better before we planned her memorial. So when that didn't happen, uh, you know, that was one of the hardest things was to write her obituary because how do you encapsulate the lifetime of a human being and the essence of who they were in two paragraphs. It was so daunting. I, I was literally researching forever. How do you write a, an obituary? And, and kind of, I think because of that, because of COVID, we decided to have a memorial in their backyard for both of them together and to make it really, really picnic style, my mom's favorite color is orange. So we did orange tablecloths and candles and we did orange flowers everywhere and roses and we got biodegradable balloons and we all released them at the same time. Um, I think that they would have enjoyed it. Although there was also a Kentucky Derby party next door with mint juleps. And I kind of have this feeling that my mom and Bill were over there having mint juleps instead of at our lay memorial. <laughs> I kind of have this thing. Knowing both of them, they were over there. <laughs> um, I will, on that note, I would like to say, because there's so much pain here and so much, you know, my daughter lost both her grandparents and she was so close to both of them. You know, my sister and my brother and all the friends, everybody has their own way of grieving. And when they lose someone, for me, gosh, it's, it's my mommy. It's my mom, right? We always want our mom sometimes, but it was also my best, best, best friend, best friend, you guys. And also, here's the thing. My mom, I realize, has been part of my future plans. No joke. Like traveling with Indy, my mom's always with us. Girls trips, we used to say. We're having girls trips. That's what we're going to do. Um, I, And then on top of it, mom being the matriarch, you know, since I was five years old, my mom and dad have split. So we always have had my mom's side of the family and then my dad's side of the family. So for holidays and birthdays and Sunday dinners, and there's always mom's side and my dad's side who, thank God, by the grace of God, my dad and stepmom. So Indy has two more grandparents and we have sisters that are all still there. But this entire side of, of my family in terms of celebration, my sister and brother are still here, but it's just changed. It's changed. It has to change. So that is where this show comes in, you guys, the changing. I have so many questions. You guys know me. My, my passion is spiritual alchemy, right? How do we, how do we take what, where we are now 
and turn it into gold. So one thing that I did is I hired a spiritual medium who I have talked to you guys about and who will be a guest on our show, Kirsten Ross, who is phenomenal. And I had her do a reading for my mom that blew my mind. Blew my mind. It was so accurate. I'm going to leave that for another show. But I will tell you this. There are questions that I have that I want answered. Damn it. And I feel like since my mom is up there, she's my best friend. I feel like she needs to let me have these answers. And I know that Kirsten laughed at me and said it doesn't quite work that way. But here's some of my questions, right? For for what I want to know this season. Are there loved ones waiting to guide us once we've left our physical bodies? Are there any kind of physical manifestations as we here know them, right? A table, we see a chair. Are there people? Is there a sky? Do you see these manifestations? Number three, are you finally aware of the answers and the lessons of the life you had here on earth? Do you get an aha moment, as Queen Oprah would say, where it all makes sense? And I'm thinking we better, okay? That's a big one for me. Number four, if yes, and you get these answers, are you emotionally detached from that knowledge? right? Are you, you're not sad over it. You don't feel sick. You don't, cause you're away from it. You just get the answers and you, ah, it all makes sense. Number five, do we reincarnate? Will we be born in another life and inhabit another body? If yes, how long do we get to rest? And on that last note, I've heard it many, many times said that we We do reincarnate and that we repeat lives with the same cast members that we've had, the same people, but in completely different roles. Is this true? In other words, your wife might come back as your daughter or your sister or, but that we actually do have other lives with the same people. So what's interesting on that note is I did ask Kirsten if my mom was going to go into another body. And she told Kirsten that she was resting now and that she was waiting for the rest of us, her family, to join her when it's our time so that we could decide together what lives we would like to inhabit. So I think we'll leave the discussion there and I would really like for us to take a moment now to get still To just take in a deep breath, a deep cleansing breath in, and a deep cleansing breath out. If it's safe for you to do so, close your eyes. One more deep breath in through our nose. And we're going to let go all that no longer serves us. I want you to picture someone in your life that perhaps you've lost from this earth. It can be a person or it can even be an animal. 
And even if you've not lost someone very close to you, you can picture someone who you've admired, who has passed on. With your eyes still closed, I want you to see them now. See their beautiful face at their freshest, most wonderful time in their life. How do they look? See their smile. They're smiling at you from the inside out, and it's a bright smile. It's a vibrant smile. Just sit with this image for a second. Now, focus on what was amazing about them, their strength, their love of life, their courage, their kindness. Was it their laugh or the way they played? What energy made them so special to you? What unique quality did you love the most about them? This is their essence. This energy and smile is the spirit of who they were and who they are still and will be eternally. It is this energy that I want you to focus on and remember when you think of them always. Not the pain or the loss, but focus on the essence of what made you love them because that is the truth of who they are and will always be. And let this be the focus that gives you strength, that empowers you, that contributes and adds to who you are today. Now, let's take another deep and cleansing breath in. Filling ourselves up with the loving energy we just focused on and exhale out all that same love all around you, permeating everything around us with it. Unable are the loved to die, for love is immortality. By Emily Dickinson. Now, you guys, I would like us to move to the section of our show that is called Actualize Our Alchemy. We are going to actualize our alchemy. So, what did you take away from today's discussion? What did you think about some of the questions I asked? Are they way far out there for you? Do you identify with some of them? How did our meditation affect you? For me, personally, my, my alchemy here is being focused on the essence of who I know my mom is, is honestly how I stay strong. I am, I still feel the pain. I still cry, of course, and it's a process and I'm never going to not miss my mom. But when I catch myself focusing 
on what she looked like her last days or, or that I missed not being there, right? The sad stuff. I remember to switch my focus to the gratitude I have for the life she gave me, 51 years of the most amazing mother on the planet and 15 years of the best granddaughter ever for my daughter. So rather than focusing on the pain of the loss, I actually feel when I focus on her like she and I are one. I feel so strong. The essence of my mom's spirit makes me feel stronger. So we can take our grief and our pain and we can mix it with the strength and the essence of who we love. And this is the alchemy. This is how we turn it around and we use it to be stronger. That is how we become golden. Oh, wow. Okay, you guys. That was heavy, but uh, I'm so grateful that I was able to share this most difficult journey I've ever had in my life with you and, um, and start this new journey that I'm so freaking excited, you guys, is there life after life? Let's ask everyone in the world. Let's ask a rabbi, a Catholic priest, an atheist, a voodoo witch doctor, you know, your, your neighbor, Sam. What do you believe? Do you believe in nothing? Please reach out to me. You guys know how to find me on my Instagram and Twitter. You know how to email me, realericaleniakblog.com. Just reach out. Let's get this party started. Super, super excited. And now I have to thank my amazing team here at the Spiritual Alchemy Podcast with Erica. Well, thank you guys so much for coming back for season two and listening with me. This has been a really good home podcast production. And I'd like to thank Dylan Gardner, our recording engineer, Ryan Connolly, our editor, Hater Mir, our wonderful final mixer and musician and musical prodigy. Um, Tamron Tobian is our director of publicity and very gorgeous, I might add. And this podcast is produced by the one and the only Katie Politanoff and the amazing, illustrious leader, Andy Fraser. We'll see you guys next time. Home.